gospel and an exciting book um, to talk through. And this morning um, I was given a, a small passage, only four verses this time. And uh, in a lot of ways the, the, the message, the sermon is, is quite uh, simple in nature. Um, and where we pick up in Matthew, Jesus had been born, John the Baptist uh, had baptized Jesus, Jesus had been tempted in the wilderness, and now Jesus is beginning his earthly ministry. This is kind of like the beginning of the official earthly ministry of Jesus. God had pre- Jesus had prepared himself with the help of his Father in heaven for earthly ministry. And Jesus shows us during his ministry the importance of discipleship, coming alongside others, mentoring them, encouraging them, challenging them. And Jesus begins his ministry on earth by challenge, or by calling the first disciples. And calling the first disciples is a message used quite often for various reasons. And this morning, I kind of want to look at this passage from a little bit of a different perspective and really dive into what God might be telling us. In, the ter- in terms of the greater story that Matthew is trying to paint, and remember, Matthew is trying to emphasize the kingdom of God. Matthew is trying to emphasize that Jesus is, in fact, the Messiah. He's trying to prove to people that Jesus is the Messiah, as based in Scripture, as based in prophecy. Matthew wants to emphasize the importance of this moment, this moment we see of Jesus calling his first disciples, asking them to follow him, and then their response. We see a similar account of this moment in the other Gospels, and an interesting one in John 1, 35-42 that I'll quickly mention at a later time. To begin, I want to read these four verses in Matthew. And as we read, think about the actions of Jesus in this moment, the specific words he uses, but also consider the response from the disciples after hearing this call on their life. So it's Matthew 4, verses 18-22. to While walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. And he called them. Immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. This passage is a challenge for us to live in relationship with Jesus and then influence others to become like Jesus. That's it. That's what we'll be discussing this morning. I want to say that again. This passage is a challenge to live in relationship with Jesus and then influence others to become like Jesus. To start, I wanted to first point out the metaphor used here. Jesus appeals to the disciples' frame of reference. He uses a metaphor of fish, fishing because he was speaking directly to fishermen. It's easy sometimes to get caught up in this metaphor. This is not to say you can't use the metaphor of fishing, and Jesus shows how effective metaphors can be. At the same time, we can take a metaphor too far. We can spend time getting swept up into the intricacies of fishing, what the sea represents, what the nets are, even take it so far as talking about trapping or hooking someone into the gospel, which in many ways can sound offensive. We can sometimes spend so much time tearing apart the metaphor itself and miss the point from a larger standpoint. Miss the point of what Jesus, and in turn Matthew, is teaching here about the kingdom of God as a whole. This passage is not necessarily about fishing as much as it is about sharing the hope and truth of what it means to have a relationship 
with Jesus. Jesus could have gone up to a group of carpenters and used a metaphor about building. He could have gone up to a group of doctors and talked about saving someone's life. What Jesus does here is appeal to the disciples' frame of reference, and then he proceeds to offer the hope and life that is found in relationship with Jesus and in the kingdom of God. After the realization of this life and hope in the kingdom, the challenge continues with a call to go and draw people into this new life. What Jesus does here is appeal to the disciples' frame of oh, oops, yeah. After the realization of this life and hope in the kingdom, the challenge continues with a call to go and draw people into this new life, to go and mirror Jesus in our own lives, so that others can learn to be like Jesus Himself. That is the focus of this passage, and that is what we will be discussing this morning. Whether you've been a Christian your entire life, whether this is your first time hearing about who Jesus is, whether this is a relatively new idea, we each can take away something from this passage as we look at the kingdom of God as a whole and how we are called to act. This passage points to one thing. Are you living in relationship with Jesus? And if so, are you influencing others to be like Jesus? As we tear this apart over the next few minutes, I want you to pray and ask God to fill your heart. Ask God to speak to you about the ways in which you might be falling short of truly following Jesus. The ways you might be missing the mark of influencing others to become like Jesus. Maybe even pray about, the, about what role Jesus has in your life in the first place. In fact, let's pray right now before we dive in. Father God, you are so good and uh, we are so blessed to be up here this morning We are so blessed to be here uh, in your presence this morning. Father God, I pray that you will use me um, to speak your words, to speak your truth. Father God, they are not my words. Um, They are completely yours, and I hand them off to you, God. I pray that we can, all of us here, open our hearts to what it is that you want us to hear. I pray that we can open our hearts to what it means to truly follow you, to truly live in relationship with you, and that we can open our hearts to what it means to truly then influence others to also follow you. Amen. Are you living in relationship with Jesus? That's the first part. As we look at the passage itself, we see Jesus walking by the water and seeing the first two disciples, Simon, who is called Peter, and his brother, Andrew. Jesus starts by saying two profound words, follow me. Jesus says these same words to James and John. All four of these disciples dropped everything and followed Jesus. We see also other disciples, such as Matthew himself, later on in the gospel, when Jesus says, follow me. Matthew 9, 9 to 13 talks about this. It gives us a story of when Matthew was called. Matthew was a tax collector, the the lowest of the low in those days. Yet Jesus appealed to him and called him by name. It says, as Jesus passed on from there, he saw a man called Matthew sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. And he rose and followed him. Jesus, Jesus uses those same words once again. Follow me. Jesus is reaching out to all people, whether you are a fisherman, a construction worker, a teacher, or in Matthew's case, someone who cheated his way into making money off his own people. Yet Jesus wants to reach out to all people saying, follow me. We see countless times in the gospel the way in which Jesus appeals to people, asking them in his own way to follow him. Maybe we remember a story like Zacchaeus in Luke 19, who was a tax collector also, who Jesus called by name. Maybe it's the Samaritan woman at the well in John 4. 
There are also stories later in the book of Acts of people receiving the call in their life to follow Jesus. Some dramatic, some simple, yet all pointing to one truth. Jesus is calling you by name, asking you to follow him no matter who you are. For the first four disciples and later in the Gospels, we learn about the other eight that also follow Jesus, as well as some of the other stories in the Bible. Each one of these people understand that Jesus is, in fact, the Messiah. They want to follow Jesus no matter the cost. They drop their careers, they leave their comfort zone, they make changes in their life, and they follow Jesus. In the case of the first uh, four disciples in Matthew 4, the passage we are talking about, it's interesting to note that at least a couple of them had already heard about Jesus um, or met him. And in the, the account in John 1, 35 to 42 accounts for this story by saying that Andrew, who was Peter's brother, was in fact a disciple of John the Baptist and that he had brought his brother Simon to Jesus. Jesus then renamed Simon to Cephas, which means Peter. It's interesting to note this. They would have already uh, met Jesus briefly, already listened to him, and now in this moment there came to them a challenge once and for all to throw everything in to following Jesus. Jesus calls these four disciples, starting with two words, follow me. Two words that he is now saying to you and I right now. Two words, follow me. Follow Jesus. Live in relationship with Jesus. Are you following God? Are you living in relationship with Jesus? Matthew is very clear about what Jesus says in this moment. Follow me. Matthew wants the reader to understand the call on the disciples' life. Wants us to understand what was so captivating about these words that made the disciples drop everything in a split second. What is so captivating about Jesus saying, follow me? Well, these words would mean nothing if Jesus was simply just a random person, not the Son of God. Why would people drop everything to follow some random guy? No, what we believe, what Matthew believed, and again, this is what Matthew's trying to point out here, is that Jesus is, in fact, the Messiah. Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus came to be the intercessor between people and God. Jesus is the only Messiah, the only true Savior. Following Jesus starts with this truth. Otherwise, these two words would mean nothing. In order to follow Jesus, we first have to truly believe who Jesus is, what he has done for us through his death and resurrection, and what we have because we believe in this truth. When talking about these two words by Jesus, I wanted to maintain that if you don't believe in Jesus, these words would mean very little or would mean nothing. For the disciples, as we see in this passage, these words meant everything. They believed that Jesus was the Son of God. They believed that he was the true Messiah. And, then they, and they then gave everything to following him. Follow me in the original uh, Greek in this context can literally be translated to your place is following me. The disciples understood their place of following after Jesus. If you are just hearing about Jesus for the first time this morning, or if you have heard about Jesus but simply do not have a relationship with him, my challenge to you is to consider what it means to follow Jesus. What it means to have a relationship with Jesus. It does not mean having to become ultra-religious. It does not mean having to stop having fun. What it does mean is allowing the life of Jesus, allowing a relationship with Jesus himself, the Son of God, to be the priority in your life. Because that is what truly matters. Jesus, who was fully the Son of God, is fully God, came to earth to act as a mediator between us and God. Jesus lived a perfect life. 
Jesus died and in the process took the sins of humanity on himself. Jesus was buried. Three days later, came back to life, conquered death, conquered sin, walked on earth for 40 or so more days, revealing himself to uh, at least 300 people. And then he went up to heaven and he sits at the right hand of God today. Romans 10.9 states that because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. No matter who you are, no matter what you have done, God's grace is for all people. The payment for sin is done. We have full access to God himself through Jesus. There's an invitation this morning to enter into relationship with Jesus, to follow Jesus. There's the same invitation that was made to the disciples in this passage. Will you follow Jesus? Because of the death and resurrection of Jesus on the cross, we have life. We have a greater purpose in this world. Everyone here has access to a relationship with Jesus the same way the disciples did. But it starts with choosing to accept that call on our lives. It begins with these two simple words of Jesus, follow me. Maybe you're sitting here this morning resistant to the life-giving promise of a relationship with Jesus. I want to speak plainly. Jesus loves you. He loves you. Jesus is calling you right now saying, follow me. Follow Jesus and he will give you new life. He will give you a greater purpose. Follow Jesus and you can be a part of God's incredible kingdom forever. Are you willing to follow Jesus? For those that are sitting here having known the love of Jesus, having committed to a relationship with Jesus, those same two words can apply to us too. To you too, as as they apply to me. Follow Jesus. Stop letting the earthly pressures steer you away from the promise of God's kingdom. It's easy this morning to think to yourself, this is great. I'm already following Jesus. I come to church every week. I volunteer my time in Sunday school. Hey, I even talked to somebody about the gospel a month ago. This is great, but are you truly following Jesus the same way the disciples did? They gave everything to Jesus. They left their careers. Some left their families. They laid it all on the table because they believed in the Messiah. They believed in Jesus as the Son of God. Following Jesus is not easy. There are many scriptures we can talk about about the difficulty of following Jesus. And in your life groups this week, this is one of the topics. Yet Jesus is asking us to follow him, to put everything on the line, to give everything to following the Son of God, the truth that is found in the gospel. Remember, the entirety of Matthew's gospel is to point to the promises of the kingdom of God. Matthew wants the reader to understand God's promises as lived out and manifested in the life, ministry, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. As part of the kingdom of God, as part of following God, we each have a challenge this morning to follow Jesus. So what does following Jesus look like practically? What does it mean to have a a relationship with Jesus? What does it mean for the disciples and what does it mean for us today? Well, what's cool about the Gospels is that we see different examples of what following Jesus looked like. The disciples spent the better part of three years beside Jesus, learning from him. We see, and we will, of course, be discussing more of this as Paul continues the series in Matthew, that the disciples, after leaving their past life behind, enter into a relationship with Jesus, started a process of learning, growing, maturing. A relationship with Jesus begins with confessing with our mouth and believing in our hearts, but it then leads to a lifelong process. 
The disciples did not have it all together, and they made a lot of mistakes along the way. But they also show us a practical idea into what it looks like to follow Jesus. Jesus also came alongside and mentored the disciples into people that could be connected with God the Father. Following Jesus, entering into relationship with Jesus, means trusting God, giving everything to God. I love that song we just sang, I Surrender All. Surrendering all to a relationship with Jesus, not just part, not just that one aspect in our life, surrendering all, giving everything to following Jesus. It also means getting discipled. That is having people speak into your life about what it means to follow Jesus, as Jesus taught the disciples. And also uh, teaching others about relationship with Jesus, which is the influencing part that we will be talking about later. Right after the words, follow me, Jesus says, I will make you fishers of men. We're going to touch on that fishers of men part in just a second. But the key word right here is I. We will talk... But Jesus says, I, which is Jesus. Follow Jesus and he will make you fishers of men. Follow Jesus and he will give you a greater purpose in life. Follow Jesus and he will transform your life. Follow Jesus and he will guide you completely to the power of God to lead others into the love and grace that we know and enter into because of a relationship with Jesus. Giving it all to God is not on us. This morning, think to yourself, are you truly following Jesus? What does it mean for you to follow Jesus? Does it mean giving up something? Does it mean changing your career as the disciples did? Does it mean leaving your past behind? Does it mean making a small change that might be inconvenient? Does it mean going out of your comfort zone? All of these things the disciples understood, yet they still chose to follow Jesus. They still chose to enter into a relationship with Jesus. None of this can happen without giving glory to God. Jesus Jesus doesn't say, follow me and you can become fishers of men. Jesus says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. It is only through the power of Jesus that all of this is possible. As soon as we take matters into our own hands, we allow our pride, our earthly ambitions, our sin to take over instead of handing everything off to God and simply allow God to use us in whatever capacity he chooses. Following Jesus means giving all trust to him. In the case of the disciples, they give their complete trust to Jesus without looking back. They trust in the Messiah. We learn later that at times this trust was challenged. We learn that they were not perfect, but I think this also is a comfort to us. There are times that it will be a challenge to trust Jesus. There's times that we're going to mess up. There's times that that we're not going to be perfect. Jesus has our best interest at heart. He understands what we are feeling. All he wants is for us to commit to him, to strive to honor him with all that we do, to enter into relationship with him. This then leads us to going all in. In the case of the disciples, this meant leaving their careers and taking some time away from their families. In other cases, it meant selling their possessions or doing life together, such as the early church in Acts. It's dangerous to have one foot in the door of a relationship with Jesus and one foot in the door of the world and then go with whatever is pleasing to us in the moment. No, instead we have to put our entire trust into the life-giving promise of a relationship with Jesus. That trust means giving all glory to God. None of what we do through Christ is because of our own actions. God is using you for his glory. We have to accept this. Trusting God means sacrificing to ourself. 
Later on in Matthew, we see Jesus speaking to his disciples about what it means to follow him. And in Matthew 19.21, Jesus said to them, "If, If you would be perfect, go. Sell what you possess and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in in heaven. And come, follow me. The same message from Jesus can be found in the other Gospels, Luke 18 to 22, Mark 10, 21. It's, it's in multiple Gospels. Jesus repeatedly makes it clear that following him means giving up our earthly desires, our sinful habits, things that will distract us from a relationship with him, and then making Jesus our number one priority. Jesus also repeatedly talks about denying ourselves. That literally means making our entire ambitions, our entire motive, our entire focus on Jesus. Matthew 16, 24 to 25, Jesus states, uh, Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. To follow Jesus, our focus has to be on Jesus. That is the whole reason for giving our life to him. Our focus can't be on other things. It has to be solely on Jesus. If we do not truly believe, if we do not truly allow this truth to penetrate our every being, then we are not truly following Jesus. Now, two quick comments on this. First, Jesus is not necessarily saying every single one of us needs to go and sell everything or move across the world or leave our families. What Jesus is emphasizing in these verses, what Jesus is asking the disciples do, to do and asking us to do is to make Jesus our number one priority in our life. Yes, even more than money, even more than our families. What is amazing about this is that as we focus on Jesus, on our relationship with Jesus, our families will benefit from it. We will become better husbands, better wives, better children, better parents. If our relationship with Jesus is priority, then it will infiltrate everything else in our own lives and it will make a difference in how we live. If our focus becomes less about possessions, less about our careers, then we all of a sudden have more flexibility to focus on our own relationship with Jesus. We have more opportunity to give to God, whether that's time, money, relationship building, even spending time with family. Jesus understands this. He understands that when we truly follow him, it will make a dramatic, positive difference in our lives. Yes, sometimes that means giving up something that you really want, giving up that new toy, giving up that addiction that is holding us back, changing our friend group because they are leading us constantly into temptation. The, The result, though, is freedom, is life, is a relationship with God through Jesus that transforms all of who we are. Jesus wants us to follow him. He wants us to enter into relationship with him by making him the number one focus of our heart and our lives. As we do this, everything will flow from that. Our lives will be impacted. Are you truly following Jesus? Are you in relationship with Jesus? God is calling us into relationship with him through Jesus. As we enter into relationship with Jesus, we enter into into a journey of being used by God to further his kingdom on earth. That is what Matthew is trying to point out here. Jesus understood that part of his ministry was to come alongside others, call them by the name, and allow them to be discipled. Jesus is calling you by name and asking you to follow him. Jesus knew that others would go after him and lead others toward the truth that is only found in Jesus. 
First, he had to teach those disciples and in turn many others what it means to follow him in the first place. The disciples jumped on this opportunity. Upon entering into relationship with Jesus, they then lived out a greater purpose in their life of influencing others to become like Jesus. They became fishers of men. We're going to talk about this fishers of men part. But before I do that, there are many other aspects of following Jesus. There are many other aspects. You could, we can talk about reading the Bible. We can talk about um, our prayer life. We can talk about all sorts of things. And, and that's where your life groups are going to come in. But the point here is to think about those aspects in your life. Think about those things that you are doing. All aspects of your life. Are you allowing Jesus to be the sole purpose in all that you do? Because when we do, that's going to make a profound impact of influencing others to become like Jesus. That They go hand in hand. Jesus says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. So first we have to follow Jesus. We have to live in relationship with Jesus. That's the follow, uh, follow Jesus part. And if so, it then allows us to influence others to become like Jesus. As we said, we could use whatever metaphor we want here. Jesus was simply appealing to the disciples' frame of reference when he says, I will make you fishers of men. And a similar vein of this can be found later on when Jesus elaborates on the metaphor of fishing in Matthew 13, uh, 47 to 50. We can spend hours talking about the metaphor of fish, fishing, casting a net, whatever you would like to use. We could even make it a modern-day metaphor. The point here is less about fishing, less about the metaphor, and more about the statement. If you have a relationship with Jesus... Are you then using your life to influence others to become like Jesus? Are we accepting our purpose for our life? This purpose is to be God's hands and feet in this world. When Jesus called the first disciples, he said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Follow me and, he will, and we will have a greater purpose in life to bring people into the kingdom of God, to influence others to become like Jesus. But it means that everything that we do should be infiltrated by our relationship with Jesus. Everything that we do should mirror back to God. What does it mean to become fishers of men, constructors of buildings, doctors of the gospel, whatever metaphor you want to use? In order to influence others to become like Christ, we first have to follow Jesus. Then we can explore what it means to be intentional about showing others this love and grace that is found because of a relationship with Jesus. So, how do we influence others to become Christ-like? Jesus influenced the disciples to follow him. The disciples then influenced others to become Christ-like. We now have that same mission. Influencing others to become Christ-like, like Jesus, is a lifelong commitment to model Christ-like behavior in all that we do. This behavior is found in the Bible. It is learned, but at the same time, it is a commitment to honor God with all of who we are. That thing that you hold on to, that sin, that habit, that behavior that you know is wrong. Following Jesus means giving those things up, no matter how hard it, it might be to do so. It's a lifelong process to put things in place to ensure that we do not fall into sin. A lifelong process to learn about God through the Bible, through others. A lifelong process to then lead others into the same relationship, no matter who you are. The disciples, for example, did not have it all together. They spent their life learning and developing their own relationship with God, as well as their own practice of influencing others to become like Jesus. 
God understands that we do not have it all together. God is going to use us for who we are. As we learn to trust God, as we learn to live in relationship with God, we also learn to allow God to use us for who we are. Allow God to use you. Allow Christ to work in you no matter who you are, no matter what you've done. So often we play the comparison game. We think to ourselves, God can never use me. I've done too much wrong. Or God can never use me. I don't have a very good job. God can never use me. I can't even walk properly. God can never use me because of blank. Insert whatever it is. Every single one of us can be used by God. Every single one of us will be used by God to further his kingdom. We just have to let ourselves be used by God. This comes back to trusting in the magnificent relationship that God has given to you through Jesus. Stop cutting yourselves short. Think about the disciples. Do you really think each one of them expected to be used by God? They're the first disciples to lead countless of people into the love and grace of the kingdom of God. Sure, they had their own weaknesses that we read about, but Jesus used them anyways. We each have the power of Jesus in us through the Holy Spirit. We each are used by God. Each of us are reflections of God in this world. That is what the word Christian means. As we commit to following God, as we commit to a relationship with Jesus, we then are challenged to move forward and influence others to become like Christ. Influence others. That means all people. 1 Peter 3.15 says, But in your hearts honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. I love what Peter says here. Always be prepared to give a defense for a reason for the hope that is in you. Always be prepared to influence others. Always be ready to answer someone when they ask why you are so joyful all the time. Always be prepared to answer why you come to church on a Sunday morning. Always be prepared to influence others to become like Jesus. Always be prepared to be a reflection of God into this world. It's so easy to spend time avoiding conversations about our faith because we're embarrassed, because we don't want to be bothered. Maybe we do not feel equipped. We feel like we won't be able to have the right answer. Maybe we even think we will do more damage than good when somebody asks us about our faith. Let me tell you, God is going to use you. As we trust God, God will give us the words to say with boldness. Nobody has the perfect thing to say in every situation. That is why we have the Holy Spirit, which was left for us, that is fully God. As we trust in God, as we trust in the Holy Spirit, the words will come. It might not be glamorous. It might feel a little bit awkward. God is going to use that. We might not ever know how it's used. And that might make us feel terrible. Maybe we go up to somebody and we share the gospel and we kind of stumble through the gospel message and then that person walks away and we never see them again and we think to ourselves, I didn't do anything. God didn't use me. Like, I I just ruined that moment. God's going to use that. Stop cutting yourself short. Practice sharing the gospel. Practice defending your faith in love. God's going to use it no matter what. It's going to feel awkward at first. But God's going to use that. Think about the disciples. They were fishermen. They were tax collectors. They were regular people. Yet Jesus called them. They committed to a relationship with Jesus. And God used them them to influence others to become like him. God will do the same for you. Feel equipped. 
At the same time, God will use you, but he also asks us to commit to diving into a deeper personal relationship with him on a daily basis. God will use you, but he also wants us to spend time in relationship with him, to spend time reading the Bible, to spend time coming to church, to spend time talking and meditating with the Father, with Jesus. All of these things will then help us to influence others to become like Jesus, will help us with the answer to questions that feel out of our reach. It will help us to speak truth in love. Always be prepared to influence others, to give a defense of our hope. It starts with a commitment to grow in our relationship and then leads us to trusting God to give us the words to say and the confidence to say it. Influence others to become like Jesus also is done through our actions. Again, we can go on and on and on about all the different uh, actions that we need to do as we commit to a relationship with God. And the Bible talks about how we need to live and how we need to conduct ourselves. But if we make a commitment to follow Jesus, our actions will automatically be shaped in God's image. If not, then are we truly following Jesus? As we make a commitment to to allow our actions to mirror what God would want, and other people will take notice. Pray and ask God what actions you are doing that might not be pointing back to God. Think and pray also about what actions you could do more of to mirror what God would want. And again, this is a great topic to talk more about in your life groups. Part of our actions also include our words, both spoken and unspoken. If you want to influence others to become like Jesus, if we want to become fishers of men, then our words need to point back to God. Our thoughts need to also point back to God because whether we like it or not, our thoughts, our unspoken words can impact others. Influencing others to become like Jesus also means laying aside our personal ambitions. Our focus needs to be on Jesus, needs to be on the kingdom of God, to further God's kingdom on earth by influencing others. We can have dreams, we can have ambitions such as a certain job, a certain toy, whatever it is, but our earthly ambitions should be second to the ambition of influencing others to become like Jesus. Our earthly ambitions should also themselves represent God in our lives. If our ambitions take over our lives, or if our ambitions do not line up with Scripture, then we lose sight of our role on earth as Christians. We then are not truly influencing others to become like Jesus. Influencing others also means looking for opportunities to tell others about Jesus. This does not necessarily mean getting in someone's face and shoving the gospel down their throats. What it does mean is when someone shows interest, as we talked about earlier, be willing to give an answer and trust God to use you. It also means not shying away from showing our faith. We live in a country that allows us to pray in public, but I can't tell you how many times I've, I've done this where I feel embarrassed about even just praying in a restaurant. Or the waitress comes up and we stop our prayer because the waitress is there. Or when somebody asks what you are doing on a Sunday, we're like, oh, I'm, I, I don't really know. Instead of saying, no, I'm going to church and this is why. Being confident to say why you have a relationship with Jesus and what you are doing about it, what you are doing to allow your actions, your words, your life to be influenced by that. And it takes boldness. It takes boldness to go out into the world. The Apostle Paul in his many letters wrote a lot about boldness. 
In order to influence others to become like Christ, we have to have boldness. This does not mean arrogance. This does not mean judgment. It means a confidence in who you are with Jesus. A confidence in your purpose because you have a relationship with Jesus. And a confidence in your eternal reward. This boldness will allow ourselves to influence others. If we are not ashamed of the gospel, if we are not ashamed of who we are with Jesus, if we are not ashamed of what our purpose is, then we can, then we can freely live out our lives influencing others to become like Jesus. Influencing others to become like Jesus is infused also with love. God's love for us, which then leads to love for others no matter what. Influencing others to become like Jesus is a lifelong process. We're going to make mistakes. We're going to set a bad example once in a while. We're sometimes going to mislead people or be ashamed of our faith. We're going to sin. We're going to mess up. Part of influencing others to become like Christ means committing for the long haul. It also means that when we fall short, we run back to Jesus. We ask for forgiveness and we allow the grace of God that can only be found in relationship with Jesus to transform us and make us redeemed. This is not trying to justify our sins, our misleading or our lack of influence. But if we truly have a relationship with Jesus, we also understand that it is only through Jesus that we are saved. All fall short of God's glory and we have to run and trust that when we do fall short, God is going to forgive us and then we make a commitment to do better. God is going to use you. We just have to be ready. Our entire purpose, because of our relationship with Jesus, is, in, is influencing others to become like Jesus. As we focus on this, if we truly want to live out God's purpose for us as Christ followers, then everything we do will then flow from our relationship with Jesus, us following Jesus, and we will, and we will become fishers of men. We will influence others to become like Christ. We have a challenge. Anyone that has a relationship with Jesus, anyone that follows Jesus to then influence others to learn about the love of Jesus. The grace of a relationship with Jesus. The transformational power of the Messiah. We have a greater purpose as Christians. We have a kingdom purpose to influence others to become like Jesus. Whether you're hearing about Jesus for the first time, whether you've heard about Jesus and and don't really want to commit to it. Maybe you've heard about Jesus and aren't committing to it right now, or maybe you have and you're you know, doing a great job, but there's still that small piece that you are holding on to, or that small little thing. Are you living in relationship with Jesus? Are you allowing Jesus to be every part of your life, to penetrate every single aspect of your life? First, we follow Jesus. We make a lifelong commitment to give everything for him. Then we spend our lives, and God will use us to then influence others to become like Jesus. We are then given a greater purpose in life. We follow Jesus, then we become fishers of men. We are able to influence others to become like Christ. Are you living in relationship with Jesus? And are you influencing others to become like Jesus? Let's pray. Father God, this is, um, this is an incredible thing that we are given. To be able to follow you, to be able to have relationship with you. And I think sometimes uh, we take this for granted. I think sometimes we, um, 
even take your grace for granted and we think that we can go off and, and do our own things and, and then uh, come back to you. And that's true. But Lord, I pray that we can also strive to give all that we are, our entire being, to our relationship with you and that it can infiltrate every single aspect of our lives. Father God, I pray that you forgive us for those things that we still hold on to that, that aren't glorifying you. Father God, I pray that you forgive us for those times that we don't influence others because we are living in a way that is sinful. Father God, I pray that we can live out our purpose on, uh, on earth to expand your kingdom by influencing others. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for our relationship with you. Thank you for all that you do. Amen.